Hello everyone and welcome to episode one in the series Mountains Bow Down. I'm so excited for the next 10 episodes together and I really hope that as I reflect on what I've learned from my time journeying through Nepal that uh, this stuff will be helpful for you and in your relationship in following Jesus. Now, this first mountain I've called the mountain uh, Go and it really is about choosing surrender in the place of control. And so I want you to imagine that it's uh, two months ago, basically. We are, as a team here in Germany, preparing to head out. We've been uh, in our lecture phase for the past three months, learning about a whole bunch of different things. And then we got put into these smaller teams and prayed about this nation. And now all of a sudden, we're on our way to South Asia. It's the night before. We're packing. Everyone's very excited to go. Uh, and we get to bed, but nobody really sleeps that well because everyone knows what's coming the next morning we wake up the next morning early it's still dark here in germany we get in a van and we we drive to prague which is just across the border uh, because we're going to be flying out of prague via dubai and then to Kathmandu, and it's this amazing adventure so we, we get through everything get through check-in get onto the plane um, and everybody's very excited about what's happening and I'm sitting in the plane and then something very familiar starts to happen to me something that happens pretty often in my life I guess over the last couple of years as I've decided to follow Jesus in the way that I do I start to doubt I start to have some real questions about why I'm doing what I'm doing and Maybe that comes as a surprise to people because maybe when you look from the outside, it all just seems so easy, so certain, right? But what I've found is every time I set out uh, on one of these trips, every time I try and say yes to what I feel like the journey of Jesus is leading me into, indefinitely what I end up hitting into, what I end up having to face is that, that mountain of doubt, that mountain of wanting to have control. And so... I tried to think about it and tried to formulate, I guess, what is a very emotional experience for me into some questions that I ask myself so that we could have a conversation around this idea of, of going, of being in motion with Jesus and, and what it means to be called into something by God for you and for me. And so I guess if I had to think about it, some of the questions that really rise up inside of me in moments like that when I'm sitting on the plane or about to go to a new country or about to go to a new city or a new church or, or even to walk into the mall across the street in response to what I feel like the Spirit of God is prompting inside of me. Some of the questions that start to rise up in me, number one, do they really need to know? And by they, I mean the people on the other side of this trip, this journey, this experience. Why do I need to, I guess, inconvenience them with my worldview, my perspective, or, or my religion, right? And, and so many people in the world today think like that, right? So many people have a problem with the idea of Christian evangelism because the question is, well, who are you to tell anyone anything about anything? Why can't we just leave people to be as they are? And, and that's not only a question that gets asked of me, that's a question that comes from me, if I'm very honest. In many moments where I, I think to myself, man, I wonder if they really need to know what I seem to think I have to say. Another question is, um, do I really need to go? So even if I'm able to answer that first question, that, that, uh, that lands very personally for me. Do, do I really need to go? Is, is there not somebody else who can, who can go, right? Because it's inconvenient to go. It's costly to go. It's exciting to go. It, there's an adventure in it, of course. But, but there's real cost involved. 
and there's uncertainty involved and there's a loss of control involved. And so do I really need to be doing this thing? Could somebody else go in my place? That's a good question. And that question comes from within me. And then the third question I, I, I guess I'm asking in those moments of doubt is what difference will it really make? Is it in my going, is this really going to change anything? I mean, I'm going in a team of 10 people into a nation of millions. Is our small action stepping out into that kind of space, what is it really going to do, actually? Are we not just a drop in the ocean? Are we not just kidding ourselves, thinking that we're actually making a difference in what we set out to do on this trip? And so I thought for this first episode, I'll, I'll set out to answer some of those questions, those, those three questions, and, and maybe let you in on how I resolve some of that conflict within me. And the truth is, although these questions really do help me continuously step out into the promptings of God, the truth is that these questions are never fully resolved. I guess I, I live in the tension of this all the time, but I hope I can offer some small, uh, I guess, answers to, to these questions. So let's talk about the first one. Do they really need to know? And I guess my answer to that for myself would be to say, the power of your witness depends on what you're witnessing to. Uh, the importance of your witness depends on what you're witnessing to. I think about the book of Acts, how Jesus says to the disciples, wait, you'll receive the Spirit. And when you receive the Spirit, then that Spirit will give you power to go be witnesses to something. And not just here at home, but to the ends of the earth, right? And so this this idea that Jesus' expectation is that when we encounter the reality of Him, that encounter will then propel us out into the world to share that encounter. Now, unfortunately, historically, so many of people who, who set out to be a witness about something are not necessarily witnessing to something that's worth knowing. At least that's been my conviction. And, and listen, the Christian world is, is not exempt from this. So much of our own history and our own culture, and we have to own this, has been witnessing to a broken picture of Jesus. And so my question always is, Matt, uh, do you really believe that the Jesus you've encountered is three things, uh, well, two things, unique and essential for everybody in all places at all times? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that Jesus you've encountered, that he packs enough truth, that he is enough of a revelation of, of the reality, ultimate reality that we're all part of, that actually all people need to have an opportunity to know about him? And I guess my answer is yes, but also I'm cautious to talk about my Jesus and I'd make a distinction between my Jesus and the Jesus. And what I mean by that is that what I'm witnessing to is is my angle on the ultimate truth of who Jesus is. So I believe that Jesus is ultimately true, but I don't believe that my perspective of who he is is ultimately correct. Another way I would say it is that uh, Jesus has the monopoly on truth, but Christianity doesn't have the monopoly on Jesus. He's bigger than any religion would claim to be. Any, any perspective that tries to own Jesus is probably saying too much. And so when I go... I, I think it's important that I go because I do believe that I have insight into truth through the lens of the person of Christ. And I do believe that when I step out into those places, uh, I, I begin to offer hope to people. Uh, not because I'm inviting them to my perspective, but because I'm using my perspective to invite them beyond that to something bigger. Uh, 
and his name is Jesus. And I do believe that what I've, what I've read about Jesus, what I've experienced about Jesus, what I've seen Jesus do in other people's lives, man, he's, he's beautiful. And the truth is that not all gods are created equal and no nation can rise higher than their gods. And so as much as we might not like to admit it, there are some ideologies, ways of seeing the world, realities that are profoundly broken. And they are so broken that they break the societies that, that pledge allegiance to them. Again, this is as much true for Christians as it is for anybody else. And my deep conviction is that Jesus comes in to, to reveal to us the unique and essential way to be human. Uh, what it means to know God. I love that idea that Jesus didn't come to change God's mind about us, but our mind about God. And as we relate to God in the way that Jesus presents him, we find that not only are we healed, but the worlds in which we live are healed. Because he is that different, that unique, that essential, because he is truth. And so when I ask the question, do they really need to know? I I guess it depends on who they are. And if they are are struggling but under the enslavement to a caste system that makes them believe that they are Dalits and untouchables because of sin that they've committed in a previous life and, and therefore the rest of their existence on this planet, uh, they're going to be doomed to work out that and, and until they can somehow earn their way out of the cycle that keeps them in brokenness, then I think they do need to know. I think they do need to know that God's not like that that they don't have to stay like that. And so absolutely, I think they need to know, do I really need to go? I guess over, over here, you've got to ask yourself the question, what do you think it means to be Christian? Christian, Christian, right? The, Jesus, the Christ. And what do we see in Jesus? Well, in Jesus, we get a picture of a God who goes, right? And we understand that the Christian life is about us being conformed to the image of this Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the greatest goal of your life, the greatest thing that could happen to you is that as you walk in relationship with the Jesus that you say you believe in, you start to look more, you start to look more and more like him. And what does he look like? He, he goes, right? He is the amplification of the nature of God that has been present since he walked with us in the garden. Since, since he reached out to us all throughout the story that we read in the Bible and all throughout human history, right? God goes. The, the fancy word for it would be incarnation. He, he comes and, and enters into our world. Philippians chapter two, that although being in the very nature of God, he didn't count that as something to hold on to. He set it aside and became a servant and stepped into our reality. The truth is that if God played hide and seek, you would never find him. So the only reason that you can believe in God is because he came. He came while you were still a sinner. He, he's the one who goes after the lost sheep. When the one is lost, that's the picture we get of God. The picture we get of God through the lens of Jesus is of a God who runs toward the prodigal son. And guys, this God is so different than other gods. And that's again why I'm convinced that Jesus is so essential. Because in so many other worldviews, God is distant and far away and in need of convincing. But the God we find in Jesus is not in need of convincing. He is the one who's come to us now. If we're following Jesus, and then if the purpose of that journey is that we would look more like him because he is a picture of what it means to be human, well then, 
as we step out into the world and follow him, then like him, our heart moves beyond ourselves and to others. And so do you need to go? I would just say, well, are you Christian? (laughs) Are you a follower of Jesus? And if you're a follower of Jesus, what does that Jesus tell you about the answer to that question? Now, not everybody needs to go across the world to another nation, although some definitely do. And that question should be on the table, I would guess, for all Christians. But, but not everybody's going to have to get on a plane and go to another nation. But everybody's going to have to go somewhere. Whether that means across the street, whether that means across the neighborhood, whether that means into a school, into a university, whether that means across the dining room table to the spouse that you've been ignoring for the past few months. Knowing Jesus calls us to go. And so do I really need to go? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you really need to go? You do. Because that's what it means to follow Jesus. Because that's where he makes us, right? On the journey. Which brings us to the third question and idea is, is what difference does it really make whether I go or don't go? And, and here I've got two thoughts. Number one, it's the external difference. And number two, it's the internal difference. So to start with the external difference, let me tell you a story about my experience in a place called Birtamod, which you'll hear about in some of the next episodes. I was there with some friends, and, and this particular day, we were going out into the surrounding areas, really just to meet the people and to love them as, as Jesus would love them and lead us to love them, right? And so we're walking through the neighborhoods, and we're asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, who would you have us love today? Because that's one of the beautiful things about our faith as followers of Jesus is we can hear from God. The Holy Spirit's real, and, and that's an incredible gift. And so we're asking, and me and some of my friends, we get led to this one part of a village where there are some young boys standing outside their home. And so we go up and we just start to speak to them. And, and we're speaking about all kinds of things. We're speaking about their favorite sports and their favorite food and what it was like to grow up in this neighborhood. And, and so the conversation is, is beautiful and, and normal, and, and I, I really believe in that. I, I believe that it's probably never healthy to force doctrine onto someone you don't have relationship with. And so we're just building relationship. And in that time, they start asking us because as we're interested in them, they're interested in us. And, and that's really what it means to affirm the humanity of another person and then allow the reality of God to be established in our midst, right? And so they start asking us some questions. And as they ask, they find out that we are followers of Jesus and that he's actually the reason we're here in the first place. And I remember having a conversation with them and I remember looking to, the, to this one young man to my right. He couldn't have been more than 20 years old, 21, 20 years old. He had tattoos all the way up his neck and he was wearing a sort of bandana on his head. And I remember looking into his eyes and just seeing such emptiness and such real darkness and hopelessness. And so I asked God, I said, Holy Spirit, would you give me something for this young man? Some way to encourage him. And then as God does often, and, and, and as God can do in all of our lives, he starts to speak to me. And in some way, the only way I could describe it is almost like he's downloading his thoughts for this person. And so I start to share with this guy. And you can see as I'm speaking with him through the interpreter, his eyes just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And really what I'm sharing with him is the hope of Jesus and the hope of this God who comes to, rather than a God that's distant and requires sacrifice and temple visitation and all these kinds of things that Jesus has entered into reality and that Jesus loves him just as he is and that Jesus wants him to flourish and grow and all these kinds of things. And so the Spirit of God starts speaking directly to this person's life. 
And he's getting, his eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and the smile starts breaking over his face. And then he says to me, um, after I'm done kind of sharing with him, there's this moment of silence. And then he says to me, thank you so much for coming. He starts to tell me that he's tried to take his life a number of times, that he was feeling incredibly hopeless and that he was actually thinking of taking his life again, but that this picture of this God that I've shared with him has now given him hope. That for the first time in his life, he knows that he's not alone. That for the first time in his life, he can almost see a future. And so we were able to pray for him right there in that place, in a nation where it's illegal to share the truth of Jesus, right? And, and we didn't force it on anyone. They pulled it out of us because the truth is eternity has been written into the hearts of every single person. And when we love people like Jesus, they are stirred in the depths of who they are to consider again uh, the God that they may be forgotten. We've just met some people over there and um, I think it was just an opportunity from God. He prepared it already. Uh, these guys were really interested. Matt shared his testimony uh, and the man over there he translated for us uh, and they were just so interested into what God wanted to do in their lives. Um, also we had a word of knowledge for them um, and just, just God, God wants to meet these guys personally and they were like no maybe it's religion. No, no, no. He wants to meet you personally. Even I'm amazed like how, how big God is because it's a small moment but he already prepared this before us and uh, he's doing greater things than we can imagine. So this boy found hope because somehow in the sovereignty of God a South African flew across the world and was able to stand with him in his village that day. Now could God have done it without me? Of course. Could God have sent someone else? He probably would have. But did I get front row seats to see an encounter between a person and their creator? I absolutely did. And that brings us to the other reason uh, of, of, of in terms of what difference it actually makes. It makes an internal difference, right? I would say to you that your relationship with Jesus, it's a journey. It's got momentum. It's not static, right? I love this phrase. This comes from um, Abraham Joshua Heschel. He says this, faith is not the clinging to a shrine, but the endless pilgrimage of the heart. In other words, there's an internal geography about you. And when you said yes to following Jesus, that was really the start of a journey that goes somewhere. I think about Jesus when he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's in the following that he makes us. And we don't always see this. We tend to think often in our particular kinds of Christianities that salvation or crossing a line of faith is in some way a finish line. But in reality, it's, it's just a starting block. It's a doorway into something else, into someone else. In some ways, when we place our faith in Jesus, we really take the hand of God and then go with him on a journey that takes us somewhere we don't know. It's him saying to Abraham, follow me and come to a land that I will show you. Right? That, that's the dynamic and the nature of a relationship with Jesus. And so some of us, what, what happened is we came to Jesus and then we got stuck there. And so our faith has become static and passionless because in reality we're surviving of yesterday's bread, right? There's nothing vital. There's no passion. There's nothing new in our relationship with God because we're not going anywhere because we think that the Jesus we were introduced to 20 years ago is all there is to him. And so what we've done is we've pledged our allegiance to a particular entrance point instead of going on the journey of discovering the person himself. 
And I would just say that when you posture yourself with a willingness to go, what, what that means is that you're willing to go on the journey with Jesus. And, and going across the world, across the street, across the table, it's not only for the other person, right? When I, when I share Christ with someone, I just discover Christ in someone, <laughs> right? And so the willingness to go, even in the face of the doubt and the fear and the, and the struggle, that does something for you. It blesses you. It, it leads you on that internal journey that, that takes you closer and closer to the person of Jesus, to a revelation of who he really is. And so I'd say, what difference does it make? It makes a massive difference to the people that God is going to lead you to. And it makes a massive difference to you. Because you, in, you move out of being caught up in a static religion and you step into being a part of a dynamic relationship. And let me say, all of this flies in the face of so much of what our culture, even Christian culture, teaches us. Because we're taught to idolize control. We think about a five-year plan and a 10-year plan, and, and we have this false illusion that we're in control of our lives. But even the Bible says, don't, don't say tomorrow I'll go do this thing or that thing. It's pridefulness. You don't know if you've got one more day. Instead, what you say is, God willing, I'll do this thing or that thing, right? And it gives us an insight to the fact that we don't really have control. And so surrendering into the purposes of God and releasing control it's not so much choosing something that isn't, it's just accepting things as they are. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that when we surrender ourselves to him, when we choose to go on the journey, he, he rushes to that and he carries us through that journey into the fullness of his purposes for us. And as we do that, we discover more of who he is and more of who we are. And so I'm on that plane, I'm on that bus, I'm going on that journey and and, I, and the doubt comes to me. Of course it comes to me. But remember, uh, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the defiance of fear. And so I choose to trust God and to go on the journey, even though I'm not exactly sure where that leads. Why? Because I know that that's what this is all about in the first place. It's Jesus saying, come and follow me. And in the following, I will make you. And so my question for you is, uh, where's he called you? Maybe, maybe he has called you across to another nation. What are you doing about that? Maybe he hasn't. Maybe he's called you, maybe he's called you to someone in your family. Maybe he's called you to someone in, in the mall. Or maybe he's called you to that neighborhood down the road that you never go to. Right? And sometimes being obedient to those calls can be actually much harder than buying a plane ticket somewhere else. Whatever the call is, it's unique to who you are and what God is doing in and through your life. So the question is not so much where we go, but that we go. And I guess, have you resolved in yourself to be obedient to the call? To, to realize Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples. And yes, the emphasis is on the making disciples, not so much on the going, but not because the going was not important, because the going was taken for granted. It was simply assumed that followers of Jesus would be going somewhere. Even that word apostle, it means sent ones, right? The, the, the early church was always intended to be a people of motion, people going somewhere internally and externally. And so God invites you. He calls you. And you'll, you'll face the mountain of control. Of course you will. You'll come up against the doubt. Uh, does it, do these people really need to know? Do I really need to go? 
Will it really make any difference? And I would just say time and time again, the answer is yes, yes, yes. And so trust the voice that calls you. Uh, step out and, and see how he rushes to your surrender. Yeah. I hope this has been a helpful episode and uh, we'll see you on the next one in this series of Mountains Bow Down.